How many of you uh, feel like maybe you're under attack? How many of you feel like maybe you, you know, <laughs> the heat's been turned up in your life? That that circumstances, that trials, are are. It, it seems to be increasing in your life. Or maybe things are okay. But we all know that we all face trials. Amen? There's nobody here that's immune to them. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But he also said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. But my question to you today is, are you under attack? Are you facing a trial? Do you feel like things are heated up around you? Well, I have a scripture for you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. You know, uh, my wife's been going through this back thing. I've been going through some trials myself. Uh, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, look at this scripture. Do you know the scriptures are actually God's words to us? Did you know that? Did you know when you read the word, it's not some nebulous book, but it's actually God speaking to us? And he said, he said, no trial has overtaken you that is not faced by others. How many of you sometimes think you got it the worst, you know? Like when you start talking to somebody about how bad things are, you're always better at it. I, I feel like sometimes people compete about how bad things are. You think you got it bad. Like there are people like you'll go up to and just say, well, here's what I'm going through. You think you got it bad? I didn't even finish. And now you're telling me how bad it is for you. Can I just finish? Because sometimes we just think that we got it the worst. Amen? But you know what? What we're facing isn't something that many other people are facing. But here's the good news. God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond. How many of you get to the point where you're like, I can't take this anymore? Or my, you know what I like? You know what I, we say in my house is, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and we're saying I can't do this, and I'm thinking, we're not doing anything. <laughs> Something's happening. We're not doing it. It's like, I just can't do this anymore. And uh, the fact of the matter is, as God said to me, he said, you know what? I won't let you be tried beyond what you can't do anymore. I won't let you be tried beyond what you can't handle. And it says what I am able to bear. Now, the good news is he's talking to believers here. So that since we have Jesus in our hearts, there's anything we can't bear. I don't think there's anything that we can't defeat because all things are possible to him who believes. And with God, all things are possible. And, it, and God goes on to say, but with the trial, I will also provide a way out. Say, there's a way out for me. See, there's two very awesome things here. Number one. It's never going to be too bad. And number two, there's going to be a way out. Always. God said it. I didn't say it. The president didn't say it. All right? God's saying it. Always will provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. Well, what do you mean, God? I'm telling you. This is what God's saying. It's never going to get too bad. There's going to be a way out so you can handle it. That's how faith works. 
I'm coming out of this. I'm going to get through this. And, and you know, when, when my wife is feeling that back pain, and I've never had back pain, but evidently it's really bad. I don't, need, I don't need any back pain. I don't want any back pain. But, you know, she was going through, and I'm going, you're going to get through this. You're going to get. How many of you have had back pain before and you made it through? Holy cow. It's like a scourge. It's like an epidemic. But you made it through, and she will too. There is a way out of this. But many of us are under attack right now. And if you look at Luke chapter 22, verse 31, we'll see why. Now, Jesus said to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus is telling Peter that Satan has asked permission to sift Peter, to mess with Peter. Boy, you must be pretty important if the devil asks for permission. How many of you feel like the devil asked for permission and he got a yes? <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, you know, there's a lot of people going on saying I'm under attack and they don't even know who the devil is, but they're saying they're under attack by the devil. But I'm telling you this, the devil doesn't attack people that aren't a threat to him. If you're not doing anything from the Lord, you are not under attack from the devil. Because what does he care about you? He's going after Peter. Why? Because Peter just said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter had enough courage to get out of the boat and walk on the water. The devil is watching and saying, wait a minute. If this guy really gets a hold of this, this could be trouble. So, if the devil has asked permission to attack you, it means that you're doing something for God. Because he doesn't have to mess with people that aren't doing anything. Listen, if you are stepping forward, if you're progressing in the Lord, that's when the enemy comes to you. If you're not, you're just ruining your own life. Because I'll tell you this, you'll never have peace and joy till you follow your calling in life. You just never will. So he says to him, Simon, Simon. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he name him Peter? His name used to be Simon. Now Jesus said to him, you're Peter, you're the rock. That was before this. Why is he calling him Simon again? Because Peter's getting to, he's getting a little too big himself. You know what Peter says right after this? He says, I'll never deny you. And what happens? Peter, courageous Peter that walked out on the water. Courageous Peter that chopped off the ear when they were coming to arrest Jesus. Courageous Peter denied Jesus three times to a teenage girl. See, because where you think you're strong, the devil will attack you. He will sift you in that area. Amen? For me, why is my wife going through a health issue? You know why? She's being sifted. She's being attacked. Why? Because she prays over people for healing. Where The devil's going to attack you where your gift is, where your calling is, where... You know, but 
when we get over it, and I'm not saying that my wife is over into some sin or something, that's not why she's being attacked. We're all under attack. Amen? But the devil attacks you where he knows that you're going to make headway. With me, many times, it's financially. He'll come after me with financial attacks. You know what it is in your life that he comes at you with. Maybe you're someone that encourages other, and he brings you to a point where you need encouragement. He sifts you. He sifts you. He shakes you. And if you feel like you're being shook a little bit, like a paint can, you know? You know when they, you bring in all the different colors and they shake that can? But you know what's great about that? In the end, there's a new color that comes out. You're getting through this. You are coming through this trial. But Jesus reminds him, Simon, Simon, he reminds him of the way he used to be. Don't put your faith and trust in that, Simon. I've called you Peter the Rock. When you're standing on me, then you can face the attack. So he reminds him of that. And it says that Satan asked for him that he might sift him, that he might shake him like wheat is shaken. Now, we know that back then, you know, they would take the wheat and put it on a screen with all the chaff and everything else and the rocks and everything, and they would shake it till only the wheat kernels were left over because that was the only thing worth anything. And it reminds me, you know, Pastor John's favorite scripture is John 12, 24 which says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground. In other words, that's the only important part, is the grain. Everything else, when they shake it, either blows away or you take it out. So the question is, when the devil shakes you, when he sifts you, what's going to be left over? What's going to be left over? Because that's what's going to decide whether you get through it. In Matthew 17, Jesus said, look, if you even have faith as small as a mustard seed, Matthew 17, 20. If you even have that little bit of faith, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and nothing, say nothing, nothing will be impossible. Remember, only God can use words like every time and nothing and never. You know what I'm saying? Because how many times do we say we're never going to do something that we did it? And how many times did we say we'll always be on time and we weren't? And honey, I'll never say anything mean to you again. That lasts with me like about three hours. I mean, it's just, but when God says nothing, it's nothing. Let's go back to that scripture before that we were looking at with Peter. Pull up that scripture back. You know, the scripture before. The one we were just looking at. <laughs> if you could pull that up. Here we go. Good. Yeah. He says, but I have prayed for you that your what? Your faith should not fail. Who prayed for him? Jesus. Now, I love the fact that we have a war room prayer team furnace in there before the service. It's wonderful that they're praying for me. How many of you love the fact that people are praying for you? How fantastic is that? How great is that? Thank you for praying for my wife. But wait a minute. Jesus is praying for him. Jesus says to him, I'm praying for you. 
How many of you would like Jesus to pray for you? He is. He lives to make intercession for us. He is praying for us. That doesn't mean we should stop praying, but Jesus is praying for us. Let's just get into agreement with what Jesus is praying for us. You know what he's praying for us? Every promise in the word of God. I can get into agreement with that. Can you get into agreement with that? He prayed that his faith would not fail. In other words, after you've been shaken, after you've been sifted, if you just have a little bit of faith, just a little bit, you go a long way. You, ever, you remember in your life once being shaken to the core? What was left at the core? A little bit of faith. A little bit of hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Don't ever lose your hope. A couple weeks ago, I went down to our rehab. We have a rehab down in Florida, not the church, but I'm a CEO of a rehab in Florida. And uh, we're having like an 85% success rate down there. You know why? Because it's about God. Because being an ex-cocaine addict who didn't go to rehab, I know that without meeting Jesus, I'd probably be dead right now with most of my friends who are. But it was because I met the Lord that I was able to come out of it. Because for addicts, you have to be changed from the inside out. I don't care if you stay away from a bar, you stay away from drugs, it doesn't change who you are on the inside. And you can't stay away from it forever. But when you're changed from the inside out, you're ready to start a new life. But while I go down there every couple of months for this, I go to tell the guys, we have a men's rehab center, there's hope for you. I'm a high school dropout. I was going to take my own life at 27. Drug dealing, cocaine addict, Rikers spending, burglar. <laughs> That's who I was. But you know what? When I got saved, I got a little bit of hope. <laughs> Just a little bit. And that little bit of hope, that little bit of mustard seed eventually grew into a bush. And here I am. And you're listening to me. That's God. Starts with a little bit of hope, people. I look out here and I see marriages that are still together because of a little bit of hope. I look out here and I see people that are healed because of a little bit of hope. I see teens that are following God that might have taken their own life, but they're because of a little bit of hope. I see families that are still together that were shaken to the core, but they're still here because they had a little bit of hope. So Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith wouldn't fail, that there'd always be a grain of mustard seed, no matter how hard he shakes you, that there'd be something at the bottom of that pan. And he says, and when you have returned to me, is Jesus speaking faith over Peter. In other words, Peter, you're getting through this. You're getting out of this. You're going to make it. When you return to me, he didn't say if you do. When you return to me, strengthen your brothers. In other words, after you've been shaken, after you've been tried, when there's a little bit of hope left, a little bit of faith that left, use that to encourage your brothers and sisters. Amen? Listen to me. This trial you're going through, you're being shaken. As long as you've got a little faith, you're getting through this. And guess what you're going to do when you get out of it? Whatever you're going through, you're going to minister to someone else. My wife is going to be ministering to people with back pain like nobody on earth. Why? Because she's been through it. 
Think about the things you've been through. That's where the strength of your ministry is. Amen? My ministry is to people that are feeling no hope. People that feel like they can't make it. People that think their past will determine their future. People that haven't made it or, or don't come from a good family or don't have an education, but all they have is God. That's my ministry. You know why? Because that's who I am. And that's, all, that's what I can tell you about. What is yours? Where were you shaken? How can you help somebody? Were you depressed? And now you have joy? Were you sick in your body? And now you're healed? Was your marriage broken, but God fixed it? There's a lot of people that are struggling in their marriages. They could use your help. Amen? Maybe your marriage has been shook to the point like, is there anything left? Yeah, there is. Hope. And hope will go a long way. See, you're being shaken so you can return and strengthen your brother and sister. Amen. There's a ministry coming out of this trial. Whatever it is, there's a ministry coming out of it. Some of you work with kids now because when you were a kid, nobody worked with you. Some of you go to the youth shelter now because when you were a teen, nobody paid attention to you. Amen. Some of you help people that are down and out financially because you remember when it was you and you know the feeling. Listen to me. You're coming through this. And there's a ministry on the other side. Amen? See, the devil, he'll test you in four different ways. I call them the four Ps. (laughs) The first one is the promise test. Now, I could go to how Jesus was tempted by the devil, but I'm not preaching on that today. But I just want to share this real quickly with you because this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, number one, the first test is the promise test. Do you believe the promises of God? Do you believe the promises, the promise to heal you, deliver you, set you free, the, pr- the promise that God loves you? Do you just sing it or do you believe it? That's the promise test. You know what it says in my Bible? It says all the promises of God are what? Yes. Everybody say yes. yes. And amen. amen. I just want you to say amen. But that is what the scripture says. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So the promise test. Number two is the purpose test. See, when we're under attack, when we're under trial sometimes, we forget. You know, we have a purpose in life. Ephesians 2.10 says this about us. We are a masterpiece created to do a good work that God planned before the foundation of the world. Do you know that before the foundation of the world, God said, Joseph Adavai, you will be pastor of Grace Church. Did you know that he did that? Do you know that before the foundation of the world, God said, Todd Riccatelli, you will marry a Cuban woman and have two kids. Three. God's got a sense of humor. But he created us. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. Look at your spouse first and say, you're a masterpiece. We're all masterpieces. This is like masterpiece theater. Every one of us here is a masterpiece created to do something great, to help someone else. Through our shaking, 
to find that pure, genuine faith that we have and to change the world with it. We have a purpose. Number three, I love this one. It's the prosperity test. Here he goes. It's prosperity, church. Listen, I'm, I, my book is finished. I'm just working on the cover. You know what the name of my book is? Everything Makes Me Prosperous. It's called Everything Makes Me Prosperous. But before you get religious on me, it has nothing to do with money. I mean, initially, like, somebody said to me, well, you know, what is that? Everything makes me prosperous it has a lot more to do, and I'm not going to tell you what it has to do. Some people close to me know exactly what it's about. But prosperity means advancement. It means making progress. How many of you know that God wants you to make progress in your life, in your career, in your marriage, in your spiritual life, in your worship, in your prayer, in your ministry? How many of you know that? Do you know that? That's what God wants. It's not about money. Money is just something that you need to do some things. That's all. Money is for advancing God's kingdom. It's just part of it. Jesus said, don't worry about it, as a matter of fact. It shouldn't be even on your mind. What should be on your mind is seeking first his kingdom, what he wants you to do, and he'll take care of the rest. When you walk in your vision, he makes the provision. But the devil will test you. He'll try to tell you there's not enough. You know, the world's running out of resources. There's not enough food. Listen, you can go to an all-you-can-eat place and spend $5 and kill yourself on food. Okay? There's enough food for everybody. <laughs> there's enough resources for everybody. God's got that all taken care of. We're to seek his kingdom. Pass the prosperity tests. Be generous in your thought. Understand that God has enough for any, everyone. And finally, the last P is the patience test. Now, how many of you have trouble with that one? Ooh, watch this. How many of you are a little impatient? Like if it doesn't happen now, it's not quick enough. <laughs> honey, could you get me something to eat? Yeah, honey, I'll be bringing you something soon. You know what that means? A half hour maybe. I'm like, I'm hungry now. Don't you get it? I have trouble with patience. I'm learning. How many of you like me? Make me feel better. No trial has overtaken me that isn't common to everybody else here. How many of you are very patient? Okay. Raise your hands. Go ahead. You're very patient. Amen. Could you please serve in this church? Because... Patience is a virtue, let me tell you. If you can wait and, and you have patience with people, then you'll have an increased capacity for grace. You know, but the devil attacks you in the way that he says it's never going to happen. Your marriage is never going to be good. You're never going to live out your dream. You're never going to start that ministry. It's never going to happen. And that's how he tests, he tests, he tests. Don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because in due season, you shall reap a harvest. Listen. In 1993, I lost $170,000 of somebody else's money. That wasn't good. <laughs> I vowed to pay him back. It took me 11 years. 11 years. 
But 11 years later, I handed this man $140,000 cash. God. Was I crazy? (laughs) I didn't really have to do it. By law, I didn't have to do it. But I felt like it was the right thing to do. And through that time, God taught me about patience. Oh, boy, did I learn patience. Because to have it over my head was very difficult. But God said to me, you just take one step a day, put one foot in front of the other, do what you got to do, seek me, and I will take care of it. And God did it. In one day, it happened. That's God. But you got to be patient. And then in due season, boom, there's the harvest. That's how he works. Let me ask you, when he shakes you, what will be left? Will you be ready to put one step in front of the other? Will you be able to do it? How many of you know that you're going to get through this trial? You're coming out the other side. Amen. Come on. (laughs) You got to believe it. You got to speak it. I'm going to finish today's message with something that it's on my heart. It's on the lips of many people right now in the world. It, it, it's, we are really living in a really interesting time right now, okay? In the book of Genesis, you know, it says, God said that he created the stars and the moons and everything for times and seasons. How many of you know that we're in a special season right now? You know, just from watching the news or you're on the internet, You've heard of this thing called the Shemitah? You know what I'm talking about? Whenever I hear it, I think Shemitah, Shemada, Hasafefer, Incorporated. I, don't, I, just, I think of Laverne and Shirley right away. But this Shemitah is something that's found in Deuteronomy 15. It's also found in Deuteronomy 31. So how many of you heard of this Shemitah thing? Okay. All right. Let me give you a little background here. And you can put the scripture up. Thank you. Um, every seven years, God said you will grant a release of debts. He was talking to his people, Israel. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. In other words, every seven years, your credit cards are released and paid off. Ladies, can I get an amen? amen. I'm glad my wife is in here for this teaching, actually. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. It was God saying this is what every seven years to release everyone from their debts. Now, of course, if that was true now, what would we all do? We would run up our credit cards for six years, 11 months, and 29 days and then be like, release! (laughs) But later on in Deuteronomy, God actually warns against that. He says, that's not what you're to do. That's not what this is about. It was about to take care of everyone and that everyone would get a fresh start. Well, you know what? You know what it it, it symbolizes? Our fresh start in Jesus Christ. How many of you know that when you were forgiven of your sin, you you got a new, new life? You had a blank book that could be written on. I know it. The first 27 years of my life were spent in just torment. I mean. There was no reason for me to be alive. But once I put my faith and trust in Jesus, he gave me a blank book. And he said, I'm going to write a new story for you. How many of you would like a new story written for you starting today? Amen. His mercies are new when? 
every morning and every day. So here we have the Shemitah thing that happens every seven years. So the past two Shemitahs, the Shemitah is a year long. It ends on the last day of the Israeli calendar. Their calendar is different than ours. In 2001, the last day of the Shemitah was September 29, uh, 17th. It was September 17th, right after the attacks on 9-11. And, of course, we know that the financial markets collapsed on that day. Seven years later, 2008, sound familiar? On the exact day, you can look this up on the Internet, you can look it up, you know, I... I, I I, I am a you know, former Wall Street person, so I know this to be true. On the exact day that the Shemitah ended, the Dow Jones dropped 777.7 points. That's crazy. That's wild. The exact day. So you know when the next last day is? Next Sunday. It actually ends on Saturday night. Do you know I have people from all over trying to hand me checks for 5,000, 10,000, 2,000, 4,000? I got somebody in Norway trying to give me money because they know I'm in the markets because they want to make money on this because they believe there's going to be another collapse. Because the word Shemitah means release, but the root word of Shemitah means to let go or to let drop. But you know what? I really don't want that money. You know why? Because I don't want there to be a collapse. I don't want people to be devastated financially. And you know, sometimes as Christians, we just love that judgment might be coming. Right? Whenever some judgment comes on the internet, we're all on there. Oh, what the, what's happening? The end of the world? Ooh, I, and people just believe it. Like, like you know, an alligator is going to come and swallow the world. Really? When? Like, we want we to reach to judgment all the time because we think that everybody deserves something. Everybody but us. Everybody else deserves judgment but us. But I want to tell you something. This is what happened to me this week. Because I've been, sh I'm shemited out, okay? If I hear one more shemita. <laughs> so, I'm like, God, man. And, and the Lord said, listen, you're looking at it the wrong way. And so, I don't know, I, I just went to Facebook. You ever go to Facebook? You know, you go on there. I just like everybody's stuff, hoping they might like mine. But <laughs> all of a sudden, I see this Sarah Crawford uh, posting on there. Now, if you don't know Sarah Crawford, she's one of the, she is the one person I even think might even be more positive than I am. She's just so positive about everything. And she's on there, and she's like, Hey, does everybody know about the Shemitah and the Jubilee? Are your prayers being answered? Are, did, did you get a release? Did you get a blessing? Like, she, saw it, she looks at it like positive. And the Lord said, see you knucklehead. <laughs> Let me tell you something about the last two Shemitahs when there was a drop in the market. If you had waited for the drop in the market and bought into the market, you would be rich right now. So you can look at it in two different ways. You know what? If there is a shaking, guess what's going to be left? Us. 
if there is a shaking, and, and probably most of you probably don't even own stocks, right? So if there's a shaking, it's not even going to affect you. The only way it'll affect you is in a positive way. You know why? Because when that gets shaken, everything gets cheap. How many of you are enjoying $1.90 gas? You enjoying that? People look at that like, oh, look at oil going down. I'm like, yeah, this is great. It's all how you look at it. Because we always want to jump on judgment instead of looking for the fact that God loves us. We're going to get through it. I don't know about anybody else, but we're getting through this, and we're going to have a ministry for it, and the wealth of the wicked is laid up for who? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Maybe... I don't know. I mean, if we can believe in asteroids hitting the earth and Shemitahs and this and that, maybe, maybe this is when Jesus is going to come back and say, I'm taking the old earth and the old thing and taking it away from them and I'm giving you a new one. How are we looking at it? It's the same with, with our trials. How are we looking at them? Will they beat us? No. We will come out better. We're getting through this and when we come through it, we're going to have a ministry. And here's what I say. You know what? Next Sunday, we're having a baptism, right? Do you know what next Sunday is? Not only is the Shemitah on Saturday night, but Sunday is something called the Jubilee. Do you know what the Jubilee is? So you have seven days is the Shemitah, right? Or seven years, right? Every seven times seven years, 49 years, the 50th year, the Israelites had something called the Jubilee. You know what happened in the Jubilee? Everybody was given their land back that, that their family was promised from the time they took the promised land. So you could have been a slave working for someone else, but in the year of the Jubilee, all of a sudden you got 10 acres on the corner by the lake. I mean, we can look at this thing from a negative, or we can look at it. But I love people. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, the Shemitah's coming, this and that. Listen, if you're following God, it's not going to affect you. It's going to be a blessing to you. The judgment is for those that aren't following God. But those same people can't even do the little tiny Shemitah. Like every day, seven days, celebrate the Sabbath. Never mind seven years. They can't even do the little baby Shemitah like come to church every seven days. But they want the big Shemitah. Can't even do baby Shemita. Listen to me. We're coming through this. We're going to have Jubilee next week. We're going to have a celebration here. I don't care what the stock market does. I really could care less. You know what I did the last two Shemitahs? I bought stocks. Whoa! Good. <laughs> shake it all up. Whatever's left, I'll take. Isn't this all going to be ours one day? Does God own it all? Who's it for? Is it for kids that aren't in his family or is it for his children? It's for his children. Start acting like a king's kid. Start following Sarah on Facebook. Because <laughs> you're going to hear something good. Amen. <laughs> Jubilee is the return for each person to get back what the devil stole. We're always going back. You know, you, you say, one day I'm going to get back what the devil stole from me. Well, next Sunday is the week that we should be getting it all back. 
and get your peace back, your joy back, your hope back, your faith back, your health back, your ministry back, whatever it is. Jubilee. We're going to be baptizing people that are going to be coming out of the water. Ah. And it could be in heaven, who knows? Because I'm not saying that there isn't something to what's going on. But you know what? How many times have you heard that the world was going to end and everything was going to collapse? You know? You know, how many, did anybody here stack their garage with waters? You know what I'm saying? I got friends right now that have gone, cleaned out shop rights. Oh, I'm not kidding. Like going to the store, where's the Poland Spring? Where is it all? It's in what's-his-name's garage. Listen to me. Maybe something is going to happen, but I'm not worried about it. And you shouldn't worry about it. Because whatever it is, it's going to be good for you. Because you're God's child. That's it. You're God's child. And for those of you still trying to give me money <laughs> to make money on the way down, we'll talk later. Because <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that either. If, if, you know, and, and, and there is someone that, you know, there's a few people that are really talking about this a lot, and I want you to know I am not saying that they are false prophets or anything. Listen, nobody knows. Nobody knows the day or the hour. So why don't we just worry about getting as many people saved because since we don't know the day or the hour, we might not even make it to Friday. And then what? Then what? How many of you are under attack right now? Come on. You're just under attack and you feel like... Listen, whether it's an individual shaking or where the world gets shook, it's not going to be enough to knock you down if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to make sure everyone here knows Jesus is Lord and Savior right now. Close your eyes and pray this prayer with me. Because listen, the heaven and the earth may pass away. I mean, the, the earth may pass away, but heaven, and heaven will never pass away. This world is going to pass away, but his word will never pass away. His truth will never pass away. If you put your faith and trust in him, are you 100% sure right now that you will spend eternity in heaven? I'm going to ask the rest of the worship team to come up while I'm, while I'm speaking. But are, are you 100% sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Because if not, you need to say this prayer with me and believe it. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His blood covers all our sin. It heals us, delivers us, and sets us free. He did it for everybody. But those that believed on him, they became children of God. He doesn't force any of us to be his children. He gives us a choice. So when you say this prayer, make a choice today. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead that I might have a new life. Jesus, come into my heart. Change me forever. Be my Lord and Savior. Amen.